I think that our own consciousness and our own state of being has a direct impact on the world. And when we practice meditation, we get a lot more awareness of ourselves and of our state of mind and of our state of being. And then that naturally flows into us having a much greater awareness of our impact on the environment and other people and on situations. It's time to change the world. There's got to be a better way. It's time for something better. You feel like you can't really make a difference, but the fact is that you can. We're telling the stories of people who are changing the world and how you can help. You know, we just need more companies that are out there solving these problems. Businesses, nonprofits, artists, and individuals who have found a problem and then created a solution. If we want to have real impact, we have to do it together. You'll come away from every episode with action steps you can take to be part of that solution. We're never going to feel satisfied and happy if we just stay the same. We can each change the world every single day. People can actually come together and build a future for themselves along with other people. Our daily actions have a massive impact. So what will we do about it? We can remake the world. Because guess what? We can. Hi everyone, I'm Nathan Gardner and this is We Can Remake the World, a podcast about people who are changing the world and how you can help. So I cannot tell you how much today's episode honestly helped me. I'm so excited about the guest we have today and her insight and wisdom and experience helped me so much recently. I was working on this episode and I was feeling super stressed, super off balance, nothing new for any of us these days, right? But it was just one of those moments for me. On top of everything going on in the world, I was feeling very unorganized, like I was falling behind in just about everything, and it just felt like I was letting all the balls drop, all the failures were happening. I sat down to start editing the interview that I had recorded with our guest, and found that an entire portion of it had been lost forever. I still don't know what happened to it or where it is. I was very busy with other work as well and feeling distracted and frustrated with myself, which of course leads to feeling just tired and like you want to just curl up and like escape into a book or a movie. I've been worried about my family, thinking about all of my friends and the arts who can't work right now, and then I started to listen to our guest today speak as I began editing, and I immediately felt this amazing sense of calm. As though I was reminded that, yeah, I get to be stressed if I want, and there might be some very logical reasons to be stressed, but I also have the choice to be completely calm if I want to be. And hearing our guest speak and share her experience and her thoughts just got me there almost immediately. I'm so grateful for it. I really thought this episode would be about exploring meditation primarily, you know, meditation as a tool, as a resource, as something we can use, very action-oriented, very practical. Our guest is an accomplished meditation teacher in New York City, but now I see it as an episode about peace and about the opportunity that we all have to find it, to build it within ourselves and about the opportunity that challenges in our lives give us to get stronger in our sense of peace. Our guest, Harita Davies, has been meditating consistently for decades, and she has so much to offer to those of us who've dabbled with meditation or who've thought about it but haven't tried it yet, and I would say even to those of us who have been meditating regularly for years— If you ask me, there's no better time than right now to explore, rebuild, or just appreciate your meditation practice. Inject some new life into it if you're already meditating. I hope you come away from today's episode with a stronger sense of peace and clarity and a larger sense of strength, really. Now, get comfortable, allow your breathing to slow, release any tension, and enjoy. Meditation. We've all heard about it in some form, 
it's really become mainstream over the last few decades as Eastern spiritual teachers and traditions have gained more influence in the Western world and globally. And more and more influential figures have made meditation a habit and have been speaking about it. The popular meditation app Headspace has over 40 million users, and another popular meditation and sleep app, Calm, is now valued at over $1 billion, so something about meditation is catching on, right? But what is meditation? And what can it do in the quote-unquote real world? What can meditation offer you in today's world, specifically, with everything that we've caught going on? Today we'll speak with Harita Davies, a longtime meditation teacher based in New York City, in Queens specifically. Originally from New Zealand, Harita is a member of the Sri Chin Moy organization, which is based in New York but has offices around the globe. The Sri Chin Moy organization offers free meditation classes and peace concerts in their offices around the world. The Sri Chin Moy organization also organizes global events for peace, including a world-famous peace run, where a lit torch is passed from runner to runner around the world, all in celebration of peace. And they also put on the longest marathon in the world, the 3,100-mile race, held in New York City every year. You heard me correctly, 3,100 miles, that's just one marathon. All of these events have a goal to highlight peace, human strength, and unity. Before we get to our interview, I'd like to just briefly tell you a bit about the organization that Harita represents. Harita mentions her spiritual teacher, Sri Chin Moy, who passed away in 2007, several times during our conversation, and he's someone I think is worth knowing a little bit about. Sri Chin Moy was a native of India modern-day Bangladesh, actually, who spent much of his early life studying spiritually in his home country. After growing up in an ashram in India, he felt called to move to New York City to begin teaching, and over the years, he has inspired millions of people through his organization. Sri Chinmoy met and collaborated with individuals like Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Mikhail Gorbachev, Pope John Paul II, and many more. His students include many famous musicians like Carlos Santana and others, and Sri Chinmoy was a regular guest on major news networks during the 80s and 90s as a representative of peace and spirituality. Sri Chinmoy wrote thousands of songs and poems, hundreds of books, and painted thousands of paintings. He called himself first a student of peace above everything else, and he believed that peace not only can, but will change the world. It's just a matter of when, when we get there. And above all, Sri Chinmoy believed that each of us change the world every day when we choose peace for ourselves above all else. When he passed, Sri Chinmoy's organization and work passed into the hands of his students, and one of those students is Harita, who I was lucky enough to meet when I took a meditation class of hers in New York City while I was living there. I noticed immediately when I was in Harita's class just how genuine she was with her sense of peace and her desire to help others find that sense of peace for themselves. She was refreshingly practical, had a great sense of humor, and I'm so excited to share our conversation with you today. I love listening to what Harita believes meditation is, can do, and does as someone who has been deeply connected to it for decades. It's an honor to speak with you today, Harita. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. So I'd like to start, if you don't mind, by asking you to describe what meditation is for you. How do you define meditation? So I define meditation as a state of calming and quietening the mind so that you're able to access the deeper part of yourself. And we all have a soul. We all have this portion of the infinite within us and meditation is something that has unlimited potential so we can just start by having a few calm and quiet moments where we can silence our thoughts and feel like a little bit of peace within ourselves and ultimately meditation can lead us to the highest goal of self-realization or God-realization where our whole life is completely in touch with this deeper part of ourselves. 
How do you define the experience of self-realization? I think that's a term that you come across as you study different spiritual teachers, but in your experience and in your life, how would you define that as sort of an experiential way to be? Okay, so because I'm far from reaching that goal, I can only guess at what it's like, really. I think it's a state of being that until you've experienced it, you really have no concept of what it's like because... Our minds can really only define and explain things that we understand ourselves. So I have no understanding really of what it's like to be in that state. But from what I've read, from what I've read of Sri Chimwe's writings and heard of other great teachers who have reached this state of being and of spirituality, it's really a state where you are completely at one with your higher self because you have completely brought light and illumination into your whole being and so they talk about self-realization as being flooded with peace light and bliss so your whole being is illumined with light and most natural state of being is to be completely happy and blissful because worries and stresses and all these things are really they're really created by our mind and it's a state of being that we we actually create ourselves as human beings so once we illumine the mind and get back into our natural state of being like you see children or, or in nature you see this like state of peace and of light and of happiness so I guess that it's a state like that but also one important part of it is that you're completely connected also with every other person and every other being on earth because we're all really completely connected and it's our minds that separate us and make us feel like we're kind of alone in this world and that we're not connected to other people but when we really live in our hearts and when we have real experiences of meditation we get a glimpse of this feeling of universal consciousness where we're all really connected and we all impact and affect each other so I think in this state of self-realization or God-realization spiritual teachers have this experience and then they want to they see that we all are so connected and so they have incredible love for each and every human being each and every animal um, every part of the earth because they can actually feel the reality of how we're all connected Mm. that's something i think each of us could use a little bit more of these days just feeling connection to every aspect of life on this planet and which will inevitably breed a sense of wanting to preserve it and wanting to act with respect toward it. Exactly, and that's one of the big problems with the present age is that we're so disconnected uh, from the environment and from each other. Yeah. How do you meditate? I'm just curious to hear sort of your practice from somebody who's been doing it for some time. How do you sort of set uh, set the stage for your meditation? Sure, so I have my own shrine or meditation area that's in my bedroom and on it I have a photograph of Sri Chinmoy in a very high state of meditation which anyone who's been along to our meditation workshops has seen that photograph and it's a very powerful photograph because it's capturing a state of consciousness which is not so easy or common to capture um we're really used to seeing photos of people in all different states of happiness or sadness, but we're not so used to seeing a photograph of someone in a very, very deep state of meditation where they are in this state of complete conscious oneness with their own higher self and with humanity and with the whole universe, really. So uh, it's a really powerful photograph and it's a state of consciousness that we can all aspire to attain to so I use that photograph I also most of the time have like fresh flowers and candle on my on my shrine in my meditation area and I usually have some different quotes usually by Sri Chimoy or other people that really inspire me like it's nice to read something really inspiring in the beginning of the day I usually meditate at 6 a.m. or um, sometimes earlier. That's the time that Sri Chimoy really recommended. He gave a lot of importance to meditating early in the morning, starting your day with your practice of meditation before you do anything else. 
And now in the workshops I teach, I always say, before you look at your cell phone, <laughs> you know, start listening to things, before you start checking your messages, really to start your day with meditation. So I really try to do in my life what I teach or what I encourage other people to do. So I always leave my phone you know, off on airplane mode before I start my meditation. I get up and usually around 10 to 6 and brush my teeth and wash my face and sit down to meditate and I usually meditate for maybe um, around an hour if I have that amount of time and I incorporate some um, prayers as well as meditations and then I have some songs that Sri Chimoy wrote that are songs that are really of spiritual meaning and spiritual feeling and then I have a few passages that I recite that really mean something to me and yeah that's that's the basics of how I really try to start each day with my meditation. Why do you think it's so important to meditate early in the day? Well because I think it's really important to start your day with the most important things in your life and to me the most important thing for me is if I can try to access this deeper part of myself so that I can actually have some peace and some light and some connection to positivity that I can then draw on throughout the day. So I think it's so important to start my day with meditation. And I think if everybody started their day really trying to do, have some quiet, have some peace, have some clarity, then they would notice a huge difference in their lives because Sri Chimoy often describe things in very simple ways. So he said, if you start your day with meditation, it's like banking a store of inner peace that you can draw on throughout the day. So if you imagine you don't start your day with meditation, then you start with a balance of zero. And then as challenging things happen in your day, which they always do, <laughs> then you're, you're going more and more into overdraft as the day goes on. So by the end of the day, you know, we're kind of exhausted. We don't have the capacity for anything. Most people really only have the energy to turn on the TV or, <laughs> you know, t totally switch off from their life because all of your energy is gone. Whereas if you can start your day by practicing meditation and really bank a store of inner peace, then you can draw on that throughout the day so that when things come up that are unexpected or that make you upset or challenge your patience, then you have something within yourself that you can draw on. And that's the most simple explanation, which is very important. <laughs> I didn't meditate regularly myself daily until relatively recently. And when I was first getting started, there may be three to four days of a stretch where I would meditate consistently and usually in the morning. And then I would notice on days that I didn't, I would feel it. I would feel it early on. And I would say to myself, wow, this is having more of an impact than I could have guessed. <laughs> I, it, it's probably been a little while since you've had one of those days, but can you remember a time when you sort of skipped a day of meditation in the morning and how, how you noticed how it impacted the way you moved through the world? <laughs> sure. I mean, I generally, I'm really actually super strict with myself and I really always meditate first thing, but the quality of my meditation is not always the same. Um, you know, like Sri Chinmoy said, you can't always eat the most delicious meal every day. So it's the same with, you know, with meditation, you can't expect to always have a great meditation. And so if sometimes if it's more like going through the motions and I'm not really taking the time to really feel what I'm doing, then I, I definitely notice the impact of that. And I also really notice if I'm not taking little moments throughout the day as well, because even if you don't have such a great meditation in the morning, if you, if you try to be sincere about actually observing your state of consciousness and seeing when you are getting irritated by something or something's upsetting you or kind of churning in your mind and to actually taking a moment to address that and to say, wait a second, where's this coming from? And to try to just breathe in peace or, have like a more um, clear outlook on what's happening, then those little moments to me can make a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. I found that to be true too, I think. I'd be curious to hear what you think about, I think a lot of people when they first start meditating, they often 
exist in a place of should or sort of I should be feeling this way or I should be achieving this. And you mentioned just now that not every morning will be the most sort of powerful or deep meditation necessarily. What would you say to folks who are maybe new to meditation or have started in the recent past and sometimes they get caught up in sort of what they should be accomplishing by establishing a meditation practice? How do they have more patience and compassion with themselves? Okay, that's a really important question because I think if you're meditating because you think you should be meditating, that's really not the right reason right from the beginning because there's so many things in life that we should be doing. But if, if the, the kind of question of what we should be doing, that's really in the realm of the mind because the mind's always trying to tell us what we should or shouldn't be doing. But if we can go beyond the mind into our hearts and into this deeper part of ourselves, then we really want to be operating much more from a state of what we're inspired to do and what, you know, what really gives us joy and inspiration. Because when you have inspiration, you have the energy and enthusiasm that go behind it. And then you're in the flow of universal energy and the flow of your heart. So I think right from the beginning, if you are interested in meditation, then you can already be proud of yourself that you're interested in doing it because uh, there's still millions and billions of people who aren't even interested. They're just completely living their lives on more of an outer level or trying to find real happiness and satisfaction in their lives just from their jobs or their outer possessions or, you know, traveling or whatever, you know, outer kind of things. But when you become interested in meditation, then you've already really reached a point in your life where you're seeing that, you need to go within yourself to find real satisfaction. And satisfaction is really what we're all looking for in life, right? You know? um, then I think it's very important to see what you want to get from your meditation, to have, you know, to have goals that really mean something to you. And, and your goals can change. You know, my goals change. In the beginning, I just wanted to have less stress in my life, you know, and, and to be a little bit happier. And then those were fairly easily attainable goals. And so my goals changed. But I think it's it's really important to have goals that mean something for you. And um, then when you make your commitment to meditate, then every day you remember why you're meditating and what it means to you. And um, and then if you feel you've achieved those goals, then really look at re readdressing them or recommitting yourself to them. And, and the other thing I think is really important for people when they're beginning to know that even if you don't have a good meditation, that that doesn't matter so much. Like if you feel like you were just sitting there struggling with your thoughts, the mere fact that you were actually committing yourself to doing it really means a lot. And I think, you know, you probably experienced Nathan that even if you weren't able to meditate so well, the fact that you did it, it still really sets you up for the day and you feel, for one, you feel proud of yourself that you did it. And secondly, your soul knows that you were making that priority in your life to actually put your meditation before all of the other um, practical realities of life and um, yeah then it's just so important not to judge yourself and to really try to see the things in your life that you're doing that you can be proud of yourself for and be grateful that you're doing it and all of those little things just changing your mindset can make a huge difference so instead of looking at it and thinking oh this is this is useless, there's no point in this because I don't think it's even working or I'm not really inspired about it anyway. Just think, okay, well, what are my goals? You know, I want to have more peace. You know, I'm actually working at it. I'm trying to do it. And um, it's good to do things in life that you have to struggle for. Life's not meant to be easy. It's meant to be challenging because that's how we make progress and find real fulfillment. So say, okay, this is challenging today and I'm going to do it anyway. So that's good. So yeah, there's a few things. Yeah. I love what you said about almost celebrating the fact that you've done it no matter what you think of it or whether the experience mm -hmm. feels to you like it's been one thing or another. Just the fact that you made time for yourself to commit to being with yourself and to cultivate a deeper sense of peace, that is something to celebrate in and of itself. Yeah, and that's huge, you know, it really is. I think it can be powerful in today's world to make time for something like that because our attention can be called in so many places, especially living in a city like New York or really any city, you often, your focus can be pulled in so many directions. To, so to make a commitment to sit and just be with yourself daily is, it's a pretty big step just as is. 
It is. And, you know, just to see that is actually that's really part of your personal responsibility to changing the world or bringing peace to the world or making peace making the world a better place because the world's just made up of individual people. And so if we can find a little bit more peace and clarity in our lives, then that's that's a really significant contribution to the world because that flows in so many directions that we can see and that we cannot see. I think we often underestimate the impact that we have as individuals and, you know, thinking that we can't make a difference just as a single person, but I, I tend to agree with you that I think, you know, the world is just made up of a collection of individual decisions and individual commitments. And so one person making a change actually does have a much greater impact than I think we often consider. Yeah. And we're really seeing that exemplified, uh, you know, by the world leaders that we have at the moment, you know, there's like a real range of personalities and states of consciousness. And you can, you know, we're seeing very clearly that, the that if there's not that kind of importance given to this higher reality then it has a huge impact on the world and then the people who are are also making a really good impact and I'm super proud to be from New Zealand and we have a really amazing prime minister at the moment and she's um, doing really really good things and really showing how one person who has real concern for people and for progress can make a huge difference. How do you define that higher reality sort of in in the world, in sort of the language of our world? Do you think that that is just an understanding and a commitment to the, the sort of common good and thinking of ourselves as connected to each other? And so how we treat you know, one aspect of our world impacts the rest of the world and also how we treat our environment. I'd just be curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, what is higher reality as translated into kind of our practical lives at this time? Sure. I mean, I, I think it all flows completely from the individual into the world. And so I think that our own consciousness and our own state of being has a direct impact on the world and when we practice meditation we get a lot more awareness of ourselves and of our state of mind and of our state of being and then that naturally flows into us having a much greater awareness of our impact on the environment and on other people and on situations and I think it goes perfectly together actually that the the more that we can become aware of ourselves and the more that we can become aware of other people and of humanity as as large and as one as one being and so I think you know Sri Chinmoy he he gave so much importance to individuals finding peace and fulfillment in themselves and and he focused a lot just on individual people and that was because he felt that that was really the answer to peace in the world. You know, the, the, there can be all these big kind of endeavors out in the world and, and everything makes a difference and everything's important, but really the most important is coming down to us as individuals, finding peace and taking responsibility for our own lives and then um, bringing that responsibility into the world. Would you be willing to share a bit about how your journey with meditation began? Sure. Uh, so I was about 20 years old when I first found or stumbled upon the Sri Chinmoy Center. And I had just recently moved to a different city in New Zealand, Wellington. And I was in my third year of university and I was pretty disheartened with the state of the world and I was pretty depressed and stressed out and but mostly the thing that made me the most depressed was that I think I had really lost hope for humanity and when I was a kid I really always wanted to do something good for the world I always thought oh one day I'll go to Africa and help the starving children or you know those kind of things you you know you think that's kind of a natural thing to think if you want to do something good when you're growing up in the 80s in New Zealand because I grew up Obviously, New Zealand is a very peaceful country comparatively to many, many places in the world. And so I didn't see a lot of trauma or really difficult things. And um, 
then I came across free meditation workshops by the Sri Chinmoy Center. And I had always thought meditation actually sounded really boring. <laughs> but, um, but then I thought I kind of was at a point where I was like, well, let me give this a go because so far I'm not really having much success in all the things that I'm trying to do in terms of really finding any kind of happiness or meaning in my life. And, um, yeah, so I went along to a meditation workshop and right away I was kind of intrigued by this idea of a spiritual teacher. I was a little hesitant because I was pretty pretty into being a feminist and being like a strong woman and I wasn't really sure about the idea of having a man as my teacher. Uh, but at the same time I was kind of fascinated by the idea that at that time Sri Chinmoy was still alive. In my experience, all of these great kind of spiritual figures or prophetic figures were always someone from like hundreds of years ago. And so when I heard he was alive, I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. And then, yeah, then I really connected with his philosophy of embracing all different religions and embracing people from all walks of life and seeing all religions as different paths up one mountain towards the same goal of you know, self-perfection and realization and peace. And I right away thought, oh, that's great because so many religions kind of say that their way is the only way or a better way. And, you know, I didn't think that made any sense. And I really was intrigued by the fact that he had so much hope for the world because I had lost hope. So when, when he said that there will be peace in the world and, you know, that this is just a transitory phase that we're going through, I thought wow and, and he said it with so much conviction that there was and there was so much truth behind it that I really believed it and I and I thought wow if if the most important thing I can do to have peace in the world is to start with myself then I'm going to do that you know I was like that's something that I can do and and I really care about the world and if you really if this man really believes that by doing this you know, we can actually ultimately establish peace in the world, then that's really worth me investing my time into. And of course, you never follow along with something if you just think it's someone else's belief, unless you really feel it in your heart. But I really felt something and it really changed changed my outlook on my life. And um, the more that I practice meditation, the more I really started to connect with who I really was as a person. And I saw that especially as a 20-year-old, so many of my beliefs and convictions were more founded on what other people who I was impressed by had said. And I had adopted a lot of beliefs that weren't necessarily coming from within myself, but were more like just ways of being that I thought kind of seemed cool or, you know, sounded good. So I, I saw so many benefits from my practice of meditation that I keep going. And so, yeah, I'm really super grateful that I discover meditation at quite a young age and that I'm still doing it because I do think it's important to always be grateful for the good things that you have in your life. I mean, I think that the world is seeing that more and more and that's really good. There's so many of these good qualities like gratitude and hope and love and oneness that are becoming much more a part of mainstream thinking and, um, that's fantastic because they really are so important. And it's one thing to talk about gratitude, but when you really practice it, it's incredible the impact that it can have on yeah, your state of being. Yeah, I think we are so often in a lot of the stories that we see in our films or media, we hear so much about how humans are sort of innately dysfunctional and innately self-destructive. But I think that it's so powerful to encourage someone to believe that actually we are innately peaceful and good. Mm -hmm. And what do you think would change if more people believed that we were capable of peace, that it is something that is absolutely attainable and sort of committed themselves to in a small way or a large way, whatever they are able to being part of that? Oh, I think, I think the world will be peaceful, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's, that's all that it takes really, but that's, that's a huge thing, you know, and a big part of it is really believing in it. And, um, yeah, one of the other initiatives of the Sri Chimoy Center that I'm not sure if I've spoken much about is the Peace Run. Uh, that's a global torch relay. It's called the Sri Chimoy Oneness Home Peace Run. And 
I'm one of the directors for the American Peace Run, and we run with a torch, which is a symbol of humanity's hopes and dreams, and it goes to over 160 countries around the world, and we're just really sharing the simple message that peace starts in the heart of each one of us, and um, that's an amazing message to be able to share. So I'm really fortunate that I spend, yeah, a lot of my time working on that and doing that. And when you go out on the peace run, um, once every two years, we do a four-month journey around North America. So we spend four months basically mostly in America and also sometime in Canada and in Mexico. And every day you meet amazing people who in their own lives are really doing good things for peace. Um, But What I feel is the most important thing that we're doing with the Peace Run is to really just try to encourage people to believe that we all do make a difference. And I think that I think that that encouragement is something that the world really, really needs. And especially in America, because, you know, all around the world and in America, it's you're just constantly hearing like what a disaster is happening in America and all the, all the, you know, all of the division. And, um, I think it's so much as individuals, but then also, you know, as a country to focus on all the good things that America is doing and all the good people that are in America and all of the unification that actually exists here, even, even though there's, there's constant talk of the, um, division and you know when you when you look for that you actually see that it's huge and of course I'm living in America now so I focus more on that but that's that the same can be said for um, everywhere around the world that I think it's so important as individuals for us to focus on our good qualities and our strengths um, but then also to really look for those the good things that are happening in the world and focus on those and give energy to those and give much less energy to the negative things that are happening because those those are transitory. Those are gonna, they, If we don't give any energy to them, then eventually they're not going to live anymore. Yeah, and I think if you start to look for examples of people who are creating and establishing good in the world, you'll start to see that everywhere. And maybe it doesn't have as much momentum on a large scale or it might not show up in the mainstream places as much, but... It's certainly there, and yeah. I, I've always, I've always been so impressed by what the Sri Chinmoy organization does on so many levels to sort of share a message of peace. Would you maybe speak a bit about what else the Sri Chinmoy Center does? They do meditation classes, I think, throughout the world, and the Peace Run. Mm-hmm. And would you share a bit more about the work that you do? <laughs> sure. So this Sri Chinmoy felt that it was so important to show diversity in so many different fields. So he felt that peace was something that people related to in many different ways, depending on what their inspirations were. And so in his lifetime, he tried to reach people from all different works of, walks of life and then also share his message of peace in different ways. So he gave a lot of importance to music. He wrote over 22,000 songs in his life. And the more you find out about Sri Chinmoy, you'll see that he did everything on a huge scale so um, he did he did many things in great numbers and um yeah that was just that was his inspiration and that was his way of really showing that we all are so much more unlimited than we can ever imagine and he felt this was also an important message to to really share with people that we have this unlimited capacity within ourselves and it's really our minds that limit us but the more that we can go into our heart and connect with our soul, then we can see that we all have unlimited capacity and it's just a matter of accessing it. So he gave over 700 free peace concerts around the world and he passed away in 2007 and since that time his students in many different countries around the world regularly give free concerts of of his music and music that's based on peace. So that, that's a huge focus of the Sri Chinmoy Centre. And um, he was a prolific writer, um, poet, writer of poetry and speaker about peace. And so he wrote thousands of books and um, we really try to, yeah, get those books out into the world and, and also encourage people themselves to to write and to read, you know, to read spiritual books, to read positive things and to to be more aware of all of the things that we're putting into our mind and the impact that they have on the way that we feel. So if we always watch and read negative things, then that 
that's a lot of negativity for our whole being to digest. But the more that we can read things that actually really give us inspiration, that speak about this reality of spirituality or um, autobiographies of people who are doing really great, inspiring things, then it completely changes our mindset. So he gave a lot of importance to, you know, to reading and, and watching things that are of inspirational value and that have share real spirituality. Sri Chinmoy felt so strongly that we are all unlimited and we all have unlimited potential and capacity. So we're never going to feel satisfied and happy if we just stay the same. Like we always have to be striving to challenge ourselves and to make progress and to go deeper or to you know, develop our capacity. And ultimately this this challenge is really a spiritual challenge to, you know, to reach the state that we spoke about earlier of self-realization or God-realization or the, the highest potential within ourselves. But then one of the other things apart from the meditation classes that we give regularly is the uh, Sri Chinmoy Marathon team. And so Sri Chinmoy gave a huge amount of importance to physical fitness. So if we can practice meditation and along with that, we have a regular exercise program and then maybe along with that we can also be vegetarians and you know look at other things that we consume like pharmaceutical drugs or alcohol if we can you know, reduce or eliminate those things and that has a huge impact on our health but the Sri Chinmoy Marathon team to share the message of physical fitness puts on hundreds of different kinds of running races and triathlons all around the world so they encourage people to be fit, but then they also share the message of self-transcendence. Real satisfaction comes from growing within ourselves. The real goal is not to be other people, but to try to really transcend yourself. So to be at the limits of your own capacity. And, and we help each other to do that way more than if we just do it by ourselves. It's really hard to, you know, no athlete in the world's going to go out and break a world record running by themselves. All of the world records are broken when people run together and they challenge each other. So, yeah, the races are a super fun and inspiring way to share the message of spirituality on a practical level. And everyone feels great after they finish a race, after they challenge themselves and, you know, puff and pant and <laughs> uh, get sweaty, then, yeah, yeah, you know, it's a great way to feel um, satisfaction and fulfillment. Speaking of self-transcendence as it relates to exercise, you recently completed, I believe, a 3,100-mile marathon over the course of 52 or less consecutive days in New York City. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, what was that experience like of 52 consecutive days of running roughly 60 miles every day? Yeah, well, it's a huge subject, obviously. I mean, you could talk about it for hundreds of hours probably to really share the whole experience. But I guess it's important for me to say that my inspiration to do it was really based on wanting to share the same message that we've been talking about, that if I can transcend myself and if I can, through that process of self-transcendence, hopefully become a better person, then hopefully that will also inspire other people not to go out and run 3,100 miles, but to also know that we all have unlimited capacity and we can all do a lot more than our minds would ever allow us to believe. And um, this race is, is really unique because it's the longest foot race in the world. It was Sri Chimoy's dream to have this race, to show the unlimited potential of the human spirit and to share this in a completely unique way. And so the race, yeah, it's, it's run around a half a mile loop. It's in Jamaica, Queens. There was a movie that came out about the race about a year ago, which is called 3100 Run and Become, which is a fantastic movie. It kind of helps to give you an idea of it. This race has been happening for over 20 years, but it's such a hard race for the mind to comprehend that I think a lot of people, when they hear about it, their mind can't even really fathom it. They're like, oh yeah, okay, cool, great. <laughs> but but if you really think about it, it's it's a it's an incredible amount of running and um, you have to start every morning at 6am. You have to run approximately a, a minimum of 110 laps around this half a mile course. It's in summer in the middle of um, New York City. So it's noisy and loud and hot and yeah, physically very, very uncomfortable and very challenging. But for me, I, I did it and I think for all of the people who take part in it, they really get an inner feeling to do it to explore 
their limits and to, to be in an uncomfortable situation to really have to dive within yourself to find the solution to how to deal with it. And so, yeah, it's an extreme opportunity to really challenge yourself and to really have to call on your higher qualities to be able to continue because you can't keep going if you don't feel happy and if you don't feel inspired, there's no point. Um, so one thing that I really learned from the race, and there's many lessons from this race, but one thing is that we all we all really decide on our state of being by what part of ourselves we really focus on. And so often we give the predominance of our focus of how we are as people to our mind and to our body. So right from the beginning of the day when we wake up, if we have something on our mind that's stressing us out or upsetting us or making us worry, then that kind of that becomes a huge part of how we say we're feeling for the day. And the same goes with the body. Like if our bodies, if we're feeling a bit sick or a bit tired, or then that really predominates how we feel. But if instead we can focus much more on this deeper part of ourselves, on our soul, then we see that even if our body might be having challenges and if our mind might be having challenges, then we have this essence or this part of ourselves that's completely connected with the universal consciousness or with God or with the divine that that is actually so much less connected with the physical experience and much more connected with your real progress in the world and so often during this race I could kind of feel that my mind was struggling with it and my body there was always problems with my body when you do this race there's always problems but then my soul was actually just so delighted that I was taking part in it and I could feel that and everybody could see that because everyone would say wow you look so happy <laughs> I could say well my mind's definitely not happy and my body isn't but I can feel that my soul is and so that's an, you know a huge lesson for life for us to really try to focus more on this and have confidence to really believe in this source of divinity within ourselves and when we can give more attention and focus to that then the challenges in our lives are much less burdens and problems and difficulties, but they're really much more like opportunities for us to become a better person by drawing on this strengths and amazing qualities that we all have an abundance of within ourselves. I love that this is just such a clear demonstration of the idea that we are so much bigger than we sometimes realize or than we're encouraged to believe about ourselves. But if we can sort of tap into something larger within ourselves, we're actually capable of of so much. And mm-hmm. I think it's so inspiring that Sri Chinmoy and the organization is focused on providing clear examples of that. I think th- there's a member of the Sri Chinmoy organization which holds the Guinness World Record for the most number of Guinness World <laughs> Records. Is that yes. I think I think yeah. 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 And I think that's I just love that and I, when I was reading about this individual, there was such joy in his face and any of the photos that you saw. And you get this sense that it's not this sense of oh, accomplishment or notoriety or competition. It's more just, you see how much fun he's having, just sort of challenging yeah. himself to, to achieve these things. And I think you get a sense for that, which is such a beautiful thing. Do you know off the top of your head how many people have ever completed that 3,100-mile run? Oh, I should know, but I think maybe about 45 people. It might be more than that, but it's not that many people. I'm the seventh woman to have done it. And um, now there there are eight women who have done it. Yeah. Wow. And you were the only woman this year. Is that true in 2019? Yeah, I was the only woman this year. Yeah. That's, um, there was going to be two other women doing it, but they both had to pull out because of injury. So yeah, I was I was a little nervous about that in the beginning because I was like, oh no, I'm going to be out there with all these guys. But um, but there was actually only ended up being eight of us all together this year. And it actually, you know, it ended up being a really wonderful experience. You know, everything that happens, you have to accept it and it happens for a reason. And the, the other guys that I was doing with the race with were just like such incredibly wonderful people. And the, there was actually two 
um, guys doing the race who were doing it for the both of them were doing it for their 15th time so like wow. they've both done it 15 times yeah one of them was 15 times in a row and the other one he holds the world record for the race which is actually 40 days so that meant he was when he did that a few years ago he was averaging 77 miles a day for um, 40 days in a row yeah wow. which is yeah, yeah, that's unbelievable. But yeah, I have to say that, you know, for myself, definitely taking part in this race, I hope it's true that I've become a better person. I feel like I have. And, and all of the people that I know who have done the race, especially who have done it multiple times, are such fine, humble, self-effacing, like super inspiring people that yeah, I was like, well, if, <laughs> if, you know, a large point of portion of humanity could somehow take part in this race, then yeah, the world would be like a way, way better place. At the same time, we don't all have to take part in this race. We can all just find something beyond our capacity that we're inspired to do and then strive for that. And we will definitely see it brings forward our good qualities. It gives us something good to focus on and um, it can make a huge difference in our lives and physical you know races or physical challenges um i think are being they're booming around the world i mean there's just you know that's something for us to really celebrate as a, as humanity because then you know that really means that there's way more people who are inspired to challenge themselves because they see they're not doing it for money or for a, for a trophy or whatever they really are doing it because they see it gives them satisfaction and gives them happiness and it makes them a better person and you know that's great and I, I would imagine i know that the 3100 mile race in new york city gets a decent amount of press coverage and i would imagine that some of the women and girls who are reading about you running this year and some of the other women who've run in the past it's got to be incredibly inspiring as well yeah yeah definitely and um yeah that that was that was an important thing that i really felt this year as well because to be honest, when you take part in this race, you're getting so much from just taking part in it that you're not even so concerned about whether you actually personally complete the distance because there's always, you know, at least one or two people who don't finish the whole distance, but they take part in the race until the end. But for me this year, I was, yeah, I had such a strong feeling like I'm representing, I'm the only woman doing this race, so I have to finish the race just for, you know, I mean, obviously for my own progress, but yeah, to, to really show other women that, yeah, that we have so much capacity. And it was, that was a very, very beautiful part of the race for me was the amount of messages i mean i have a pile so big of messages that i was being sent every day by by people from around the world but mostly women and many of them who i didn't know who were sending me messages saying how much inspiration it was giving them in their own life and so that that really gives you the energy and the strength to continue like if you just know that you're inspiring one person it's worth it totally worth it but then if you know that there's hundreds of people who like are watching and are getting inspiration then that's you know that's a huge motivation to keep going so yeah that was a, a, a really beautiful part of the race was the um how I felt like I just felt like all of the women in the world were behind me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a perfect it's a perfect example of you know one individual challenging themselves to become something bigger and having an impact on so many other individuals. The power of a single person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sri Chinmoy has one um, poem which says, "Individual self transcendence collectively inspires humanity at large." And um, anything good that you're inspired to do, you have to know it's, it is impacting humanity, you know, in, in some way. Like we're all connected for a start, but then you never know what the, what the end product is going to be. So that's the beautiful thing about spirituality, about embarking on your own practice of meditation and just sticking with it. Because the, um, the more you stick with your meditation and your spirituality, the more strength you get to follow your heart and your soul and you never know what you're going to get inspired to do and have the confidence to do i can't think of a better note to finish on thank you so much for speaking with me today harita okay thank you so much for having me i don't know about you but listening to harita i can feel some of that joy and peace and inspiration that she mentions throughout our conversation just flowing from who she is I think over time it's just become part of her. 
It's easy to feel that Harita is someone who has committed herself to finding the greatest sense of peace that she can and the most fulfillment out of life that she can, which again is a choice that each of us has available to us on a daily basis and I think it's a choice that we make on a daily basis. You hear that from a lot of spiritual teachers that it's not about reaching this sense of enlightenment and suddenly there's never a problem again. It's just that you make the same choice every day to have calm, to have peace, to look for wisdom, to look for ways to be better. Let's get to our takeaways from today's episode, which we call our change makers, ideas that could change the world, either on a small scale or a large scale, if we explored them more. Changemaker number one, we can choose peace. One of the biggest and most important ideas in this conversation for me is simple. Every day, every one of us has a choice as we are just exploring. We can move through the day with a sense of peace or not. We can focus on the things that cause us fear or we can focus on the things that inspire us, make us feel alive, make us feel passionate or make us feel calm. We can fill our minds with either. It's completely up to us. And there's no judgment here as far as which one you're choosing today or now or which one I'm going to choose tomorrow. It's always going to have some ebb and flow. But that choice is never really taken from us. I'm reminded of that quote you sometimes hear spiritual or meditation teachers talk about, about how we each have two animals in the mind. It's usually two wolves. One wolf is peace and calm, the other wolf is fear and worry. Which one will we feed? That's the one that grows stronger. And again, each day will be a little different. Sometimes we'll feed one, sometimes we'll feed the other, but we do get to choose which one gets stronger over time. I think meditation is the tool that we can use to build our muscles when it comes to choosing peace. Meditation increases our awareness of our thoughts and feelings as we take a step back from them by quieting our minds and allow a larger perspective to come in. As we seek to find that part of ourselves that's not shaken by the conditions around us, we begin to realize that everything we think, every thought we allow, or every thought we hold on to, and every emotion we feel is a choice that we make moment to moment. Harita talked about how stresses and worries are created by our mind, and when we develop a stronger relationship with parts of ourselves that exist outside of our thoughts, we open the door to a different experience, to a different way of looking at things, empowering our minds with choice. Then we get to step back from our thoughts and decide whether what we're focused on and thinking about is actually true, if it's actually benefiting us or if some of the ways we've been thinking are maybe not even true and not bringing us the best version of our day or the best version of our relationships or the best version of our lives that they could. I really liked this idea that Harita shared, which she got from her teacher, Sri Chinmoy, about banking a store of inner peace for the day by starting the day with meditation. We hear often that breakfast is the most important meal of the day because it sets the tone for how our bodies will run throughout the morning and gives our bodies either what they need or kind of makes things difficult for the day based on what we choose to eat. It kind of makes sense to me that what we feed our minds and spirits at the top of the day is equally impactful, right? Don't you think? Maybe meditation is breakfast for our minds, breakfast for our spiritual selves. You could see a healthy mental breakfast in the morning as some meditation time, some gratitude time, some time to yourself, really getting centered. And you could see an unhealthy breakfast as checking the news, checking your email, checking in with stressful circumstances, like right after you get up. That's likely not going to center your mind or center your being in the way that meditation or gratitude could. Just some food for thought, literally. Changemaker number two. We can see challenges as beneficial rather than detrimental. I'm so inspired by Harita's idea that life is always changing and that we'll never be satisfied staying the same. She believes that challenges often serve us to help us grow, improve, challenge our old ideas, and break through limitations that we had previously thought were true for us. I think her stories about running in that 3,100-mile marathon really illustrate that. 
yes, of course, it's challenging. And toward the end of that marathon, you better believe that those runners are challenging their limitations every single moment. But that challenge causes them to grow, to overcome, to see that they're more capable than they ever thought. What challenges are you experiencing right now that could be growth in disguise? What challenges are we all facing right now that are causing us to reassess our ideas about ourselves, our world, and become something bigger and hopefully better? We might be facing a lot of big, complex, and really challenging situations right now, but every single one of them can be an opportunity if we choose to see it that way, if we allow that perspective And then you start to see that, okay, this isn't working. So what can we do about it? What can we make instead? That's an opportunity. It doesn't have to be coming from fear. It doesn't have to be coming from hopelessness or despair. It can be, all right, no problem. We cannot go on this path anymore. So let's find and make a new path. It creates an opportunity to truly get clear about the world we want to be a part of, that we want to build. And then we have the opportunity to bring that world more clearly into focus through the way we think, the way we behave, how we speak, and how we treat ourselves and each other, and how we treat our world. Which takes us right into changemaker number three. Our thoughts and actions impact the world meaningfully every single day. Harita believes, and I agree, that whatever we choose as far as the experiences that we have individually each day, when it comes to our thoughts, our feelings, our beliefs, and our behavior, these things impact the world in ways that we often don't think about or don't even see or realize. Creating a deeper sense of peace in your own life is one of the most powerful things you can do to bring peace to the world. If we want peace in our culture and on our planet, we have to start with ourselves. That's really the only thing we can fully control. We can't force the world into peace. We can't coerce someone around us to embrace peace. What we can do is choose peace for ourselves and then stand as an example of it and offer our example to anyone who might notice. That's, I think, the most powerful thing we really can do for peace. As Harita says, if every one of us made a choice to believe that peace was possible for the world, the world would be peaceful. We just have to believe that it's possible. It's not about this sort of utopian vision. It's just saying, well, if everyone chose to live peacefully, then we would have peace. It's actually pretty simple. Obviously, this won't happen overnight, and striving for peace, even individually, is a lifelong effort. But making that effort is such an important step if we really do want to bring peace into our lives and into the world. It's good to remember that it doesn't start with the other guy or the other girl. It starts with us. What would happen in your life, do you think, if you woke up every morning and committed to bringing more peace into your life? That would affect the way you treat yourself, the way you treat others, the way you approach your work. That is bringing more peace into the world. Here's some more ideas about what you can do today to build more peace into your life and into the world. Start by considering building a meditation practice or reigniting your own meditation practice if you already have one. If you haven't experimented with meditation, it can be a game changer. It totally changed my life. I used to experiment with meditation and do it sort of intermittently, and it was great. But when I started to do it every day, in the morning specifically, it completely changed everything, I'm telling you. I was so much more centered, so much more calm, so much more present with myself, and little things didn't shake me as much as they used to. That whole idea of banking a store of inner peace by meditating early in the day really held true for me when I started to meditate every morning. There are so many different methods and techniques and teachers out there, so it's really easy to find resources to inspire you. You can check out YouTube or Spotify or just Google meditation practices. Go take a class maybe at a studio near you. There's a lot of online resources too. A couple of those include Headspace and Calm, the meditation apps. They have some great guided meditations or some just good meditation music. And you can start to experiment with the type of meditation that resonates with you. You can also support and follow the Sri Chinmoy organization. They have free meditation classes in cities around the world. You might be surprised to find that they have one near you. There are peace concerts that you can attend. You can join their marathons if you're an athlete. Visit srichinmoycenter.org to learn more.
And you can also become something that I call a peace talker. Speak peace into your life. Speak peace about your life. Speak peace to others. Okay, you're having a really bad day. Well, it's going to get better. That's speaking peace. It's just for now. That's speaking peace. Okay, you're not treating me the way I want to be treated, but you still have all these other qualities that I really appreciate. You don't have to say this out loud. You can just say it in your mind, which brings peace to you, which brings peace to the situation. Be a peace talker, mentally and verbally. See how it changes your day, your life, a moment that's really challenging you, a person that's really challenging you, or a circumstance. Just experiment with it here and there and see what happens. Our challenge for today's episode is inspired by Harita's idea of micro-moments of calm throughout the day that we can each find. Harita talks about taking a step back and just checking in and taking a couple deep breaths and making space for some calm, some peace, kind of like a little mini meditation throughout the day, which helps us to stay centered throughout the ins and outs of each of our daily lives. Our challenge for you is to be conscious of finding micro moments of peace and calm throughout your day, every day for the next two weeks. When you wake up in the morning, just remind yourself, okay, micro moments of calm. And throughout the day, take a step back from difficult circumstances or from challenging moments and just check in with yourself, take a couple deep breaths, and then get back to it. Doesn't have to take any longer than 30 seconds. Just experiment with these micro moments of peace and see how it impacts your overall day, your week, the next two weeks. Notice if it's something that you'd want to continue building into your routine, into your daily mindset. This is honestly something I could do a lot more of. I'm pretty consistent with meditating in the morning these days, but I'm not always good about finding micro moments throughout the day to just take a step back and calm down. A lot of the time, I feel like I'm moving from thing to thing and I'm super busy. Even with lockdown life, I have a lot of projects going. So these micro moments, I think, would be really good for me too. If you'd like to support Harita and the Sri Chinmoy Center, consider volunteering or donating to the organization if that's something you feel inspired to do. You can also purchase some of Sri Chinmoy's books or albums if they speak to you. I think more than anything, the best way to support Harita and the Sri Chinmoy Center is to commit to bringing a greater sense of peace to your life, which is bringing peace to the world. So taking action on our challenge for today's episode or doing what you can do based on today's conversation will make a really big contribution to the goals that the Sri Chinmoy Center and Harita have in the world. Thanks so much for being here today. We hope you're coming away with a greater sense of calm. We hope you felt this time was well spent. And if so, please share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it or be inspired by it. Help to spread the message that we have for peace, for possibility, for upliftment, even during the most challenging of times. Send us your response to this episode, to other episodes. We would love to hear your feedback and your reaction. Email us at podcast at we can remake the world with other organizations you think we should speak to or other individuals. We'll post some free meditation resources on our website at wecanremaketheworld.com on the Harita episode page. And as always, if you haven't yet already, please subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you listen on. Give us a review and a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts if you listen there, and connect with us on social media on Instagram and Facebook at We Can Remake the World, on Twitter at WCRTW Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, stay calm, and we'll be with you again in a couple weeks. Until then. <laughs>